Three years ago, the shepherds cast a vision for the church that we wanted to be a family growing to be like Jesus. And so last week and today and next week, we want to talk about what it means to belong to a family, and especially a family that's growing to be like Jesus. We talked last week about gathering. And, uh, and, if, and if you weren't here last week, or even if you were, you'll remember we're, we're, we're in an alliterative series. We're talking about gathering, generosity, and then growing next week. So last year we talked about gathering and the need for community. We used Acts 2.42 and following as our text. And we looked at what it was like to be um, a church family in the context of how the early church got together and shared things. And so that's kind of our jumping off point for today as we talk about generosity and the need to share and to live an open-handed life. And uh, so I wanted to remind everybody, um, I don't know if you've seen it in a while, if, um, it's, it, it, it might be interesting. Uh, I know the shepherds, um, are, we're looking at this now. We look at it every year. We look at it all the time. We're trying to ask ourselves, are we living out the vision that we cast uh, for our church family? And, and that's on our website if you, if you want to see that. Part of that vision is our desire to grow in our giving, uh, to take steps towards that, even if they're small steps, but to, to continue to grow in the grace of giving. And part of that is uh, to eliminate our debt as a church. Um, and I want to talk about that. I'm going to give you some examples and some specific statistics around that uh, in just a minute. But I wanted to open up our discussion this morning by asking you uh, a couple of questions. What does generosity mean to you in the context of a church family? And are there some examples uh, that you can think of related to Otter Creek uh, that you'd like to share with, uh, with the class that you've seen since you've been here? So I'll just open it up and let you weigh in on those two things. And I can outlast you as far as being quiet. <laughs> Yeah, sharing what you have with others. It's and it starts with that, just that that simple philosophy. Love it. Good. What else? What do you think of generous? Yes. I kind of think of generosity spirit too. Uh, one thing I love about this church is that the elders seem to look at people and try to find the good and people instead of looking for things that are yeah. that could be trouble or everyone's welcome. Well, I appreciate you making that observation. I think looking for the good in others and being outwardly focused is a, is a key component of, of being generous and growing into being generous. So that's, a, that's, a, that's a great observation. Thanks. What else? What other examples have you seen? Well, yeah. I just think that generosity can't come without a realization of what has been done in your own life. Right? Okay. So generosity, I think, comes out of that realization. Yeah. So generosity doesn't happen without you realizing, I think, what God has poured in way beyond what you deserve, way beyond what you expect. And there and the true response is that then it's got to be given back. I kind of got chills just hearing you talk about that because I, I really think it is it is it's it's not out of uh, a requirement that we do it or out of some sense of duty or obligation, but it's Probably because somebody was generous with us first, and, and, and in a spiritual sense, it's what Jesus did for us. But I think, in a very practical sense, in a family setting, it's when somebody else did something at just the right time when we needed it that we we think, "Wow, I, 
now I remember that. I remember what that means. I remember what it meant to me, and, and I want to I want to pay that back. I want to live like that. Yeah. I think it also mm -hmm. suggests that it comes not out of our excess that we'll never need or use, but <coughs> but it's a part of what we have been given that might hurt a little bit or might yeah. cause us to pause and, and might, uh, he said, realize that it was given to us. Yeah, uh, that's a great thought. And, and you know, in, in the spirit <coughs> of uh, giving as part of how we worship and how we um, become disciples, you know, when you were talking, it made me think of Romans 12 and about uh, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. And, and maybe that's a barometer. If, if what we're doing in the way of giving is not noticeable to our pocketbook or to our time, or if it's not a little bit uncomfortable, then may, maybe, just maybe, we're not, uh, not, not doing enough. It might be an indication. Great. Steve. Yeah, I thought two things. One, back in the early 70s, which uh, most of you were alive then, and some of you weren't, but uh, uh, we were uh, living in a duplex out in Madison, and Sue uh, was watching the Miss America contest. And there, you know, they got down to the part where the first park split out the, the last four or five people the question, the meaning of life kind of stuff. And uh, so they asked this one girl who uh, I didn't think was of that group was, was pretty or something small or anything. And but they asked her, she asked her the question is uh, her definition of love. And she said love is like five loaves and two fishes. It will not multiply in, until you give away. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And in that moment she, she became the prettiest girl. Yeah. Wow. And um, I also think when we think of giving we think of giving things not like we've talked about this <coughs> there is a, uh, a rote prayer that uh, I've prayed consistently for a number of years and it is uh, I pray that everyone who comes into contact with me today will feel better for it mm -hmm. and I pray that I will not harbor anything in my heart that will put people off because yeah. I can make people uncomfortable and not open them up and so that is a way of giving that is um, not often thought of. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, wow. You said a lot of good things there. Um, and I do think it's. I think you bring up a really important point about you know it being a matter of the heart. It's. Uh, it's. And it's not about just things. It's being generous is a commitment. It's. Um, it takes time to be generous with people. Um, thank you. Yeah. Really good comments, Richard. Well.
food for people who didn't have food. And then my mother was the neighbor who lived in here. My dad worked for a food distributor, so we always had a lot of stuff. Uh -huh. Food. And yeah. Neighbors would come over and ask, Miss Hunter, do you have a cup of sugar with your water? Or make that cake? Miss Hunter, do you have a cup of flour? Uh -huh. and, and, and mother would not just give them a cup. She would give them just yeah. fill up a, a gallon of hay and give them a gallon of sugar, a gallon of yeah. And I, and I bet, and I bet, I didn't know your mom, yeah. but what Steve was talking about, that creating that, you know, that uh, environment and yeah. making people feel like they, you know, the, <coughs> I, I, bet, I bet people knew they could go ask her and it was comfortable. Oh, no doubt, but every Sunday, his mother would, uh, would cook a meal for the family and for maybe five or six other people. And most of those people were homeless. They came for her dinner table. And so... I love a lot of things you said, but I, I just want to say thank you because I don't know if you noticed this, but you complimented our church family, everybody in this room, you, you complimented and you and you put them right next to your mama, and, and as you were complimenting her, that's that feels like the biggest compliment anybody could give. So thank you. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is a church. We uh, we're humans. We we mess up on a lot of things, but we. Well, I, I'm looking around, I'm seeing faces and, and people, and I, I know a lot of the things y'all are involved with, and, uh, and th this group doesn't brag about it. They just, they just do it. They just quietly go about giving. So, man. I like him already. And when it comes to breakfast food, <laughs> well, and when it comes to breakfast food, we all know that bacon are first fruits. So, so that's, I mean, I think that's, that's also biblical. I could see a church that maybe didn't have a whole lot, but they were reaching out to a larger community. Yeah. That's neat. Yes. We've got a young friend who has become part of our family who is from a poor uh, background uh -huh. and on occasion for you know certain events or certain things we would give him some money and most of the time he would give it to somebody else Interesting. and yeah. I talked to him about it you know you're going to need this you know we gave you for this gave you this money for this purpose and you always say yeah but they need it more need right it. now yeah and that that made a, that has made a big impression on me 
You know, and, and, you, and you emphasize a point, too, that I've, there's been a thread through a lot of these comments is generosity isn't just for wealthy people. It isn't just for people who have means. It's, it's really a spiritual discipline for all of us, and it's important for all of us. And, that, and that's just um, what a great reminder of that. Um, let me share just to, Steve, yeah. It just reminds me of the generosity thing. So I've got a, a good friend here, Cal Turner Jr., and he is a part of all general philanthropist. And so uh, we meet about once a month and talk about whatever under the sun. And a couple of years ago, I asked him, I said, Cal, when you walk into a room, and, uh, and there are all these people who I said, I'll suck it up to you. And uh, or something like that. And uh, do you have a question? There's sincerity, or you know, whatever. I said, what goes through your mind? Okay, yeah. but I'm a kind of cynic, so I would. And he looked down and he measured his words, and he said, "Steve, I hope that uh, if anyone asks me anything, that I will be able to do it." That's my company I've worked with on. Cal Turner Senior did not finish high school. He finished the seventh grade. And that's why we have, as a corporation, we have that. We give to various schools. Cal Turner gave, I think, the average $5 million. Wow. They named him Billion. And I but he has the means to be generous. Sure. And, and, and I bet he started practicing when he didn't have the money. I bet he was a generous man before he well, had money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just as a, I'm going to pause. I love where this conversation is going. I want to pause and just give you some, for, for you numbers people, some statistics about Otter Creek in this past year. So this is as close to a budget conversation as you'll hear from from any of the shepherds. Um, there are lots of good men that I can put you in touch with if you have questions about the budget. Uh, I know there's been a lot of time spent by a lot of men and women on the MCC putting that together for this year. I'm excited about it. We're gonna stretch and grow into that and a lot of good things are happening. But some statistics looking in the rear view mirror this past year, this church gave over $3 million in what I would call regular contributions. And if that weren't enough, in addition, they gave almost a million dollars to the Building Stories campaign to build this addition that we added on the back of the building. So over four million dollars given by this church. And I just want to say on behalf of the shepherds, thank you. Uh, the, I look around the people in this room, you're, you're a huge part of that. And so I want to give you that feedback. Um, and since part of our vision was to retire our debt and, and to be generous about that so that not just for the sake of having a strong balance sheet, but for what we can do with those funds beyond paying down debt and paying interest. Uh, I just want to report on that too. At um, December 31st of 17, so just a few weeks ago at the end of the year, we had paid our debt down to about one and a half million dollars and we're on track to have that nearly erased by the end of 18. It should go away in 2019. So we're a little behind. We had said we wanted to have that retired uh, in three years, which would have been um, now. Uh, but we're, we're really in a good position to have that um, completely wiped out in about uh, 12 to 18 months. So thank you very much for your generosity in, in terms of some of those physical uh, gifts and those monetary gifts. I want to change gears just a little bit this morning and uh, have you turn with me to Matthew 6. 
And as you're turning there, we're going to be in, uh, in, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. So much good stuff in this uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, yes? I, I just want to yes. say something. As somebody yeah. who sits on the MCC, I, I do want to say that part of what has happened is that, yes, there was a deal for 2018. But last year, the elders were very gracious in saying, <clears throat> because the year before and the year before that, we had really tramped down on minutes. You said, you know, we've got to hold the line, we've got to hold the line. And then last year they said, you know, even if we have to push it forward so that ministry can continue, let's let, let it slide a little bit. And that made a huge difference on some of the ministries who had really weren't able to do it. And so the, the idea of saying, yes, I'd love to do it, but ministry is more important than death. Yeah. So I, I appreciate well, that. Well, and I, I appreciate that clarification. Um, and, and I appreciate you speaking into that. Um, that reminds me of something that uh, Sarah and I always try to teach our kids. Um, and that was, we, we would be in situations, and all of, you know, a lot of you have raised kids too, and you've probably said this in different ways, but we used to tell them, we tried to consistently say, people are more important than things. And so um, that's something we tried to really emphasize with them. And I, and I, I feel like our, our, um, our leadership group, the MCC, the shepherds, the ministers, I, I feel like we embrace that philosophy that people are more important than things. Things are important as it relates to how do we serve people. Um, yes. Well, there's no way to, to quantify this. We, we don't know because, like you said, people don't talk about it. But that giving is impressive. And then if you add in all the quiet giving, like, I mean, I know Jerry and I, we've been sitting for over a year of meals and uh, money. I mean, we put friends got together and bought us a, a lot of you when I was in the house. People came to our home and and the cars and the visits and the gifts. But there's, and that's just us. And I know the Broadway has been this weekend. And so there's no way to know the extreme limits of um, our system. That doesn't help you out of the You know, I thank you for saying that, Vicki. And I'm, it's so good to have you here and to hear your voice. And if you don't know, Vicki Vicky has played a huge role over the years in helping us manage our our uh, church's finances. And um, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say we come in on budget every year, probably number one, due to the Holy Spirit, number two, due to the generosity of the people in this church, and number three, due to Vicki Atnip. <laughs> keep, keep, keeping a close watch on things for us, and she's good at it. And she does it with such grace, and she, and she has a way of balancing that so that it's not all about the numbers, it's about the people. And thank you, and thank you for... Uh, for sharing that too, I want to I want I want to pause for just a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around just a little bit. I intended to talk about this uh, a little bit later in our conversation today, but I think on the heels of Vicky's comment, I think this is it's it's really appropriate. I'm I'm turning back to Acts two, where we spent time last week uh, in conversation, and I just wanted to read two uh, verses uh, from our um, passage we talked about together last year. And I think this speaks to exactly what Vicki was talking about. In verse 44 of Acts 2, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And I, and I feel really blessed to be a part of a church that I think that describes us on our best day. Um, you know, maybe we don't always do that, but I think I think on our best days, um, you know, that we, we look like that, and I think that's important. I think I think that passage we studied last week is important not only 
to church community, but also to this conversation about generosity. But I, I want to look, uh, if, if you've got your place there in Matthew 6, I want to share with you, I'm just going to read it aloud, and I'm going to ask you when, I, when I'm done reading this. So if, if you've got it, follow along. If you don't, just listen. I'll try to read clearly. The question I want to ask you after we hear from uh, God's Holy Scripture is, what's the connection between money and worry? What's the connection, or is there a connection? But I'd love to hear your thoughts about that and how this passage, this is not typically a passage that we go to when we think about generosity. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of sermons. I've heard a lot of great conversations about it as it relates to worrying. But I'd like for us to um, ask the question and talk a little bit about what, what relationship um, is there be, between money and worry. Starting at verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. That's that word devoted again. Remember last week we talked about the Christians were devoted to each other in Acts 2? You cannot serve... <coughs> both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So what's the relationship? What's the connection between money and worry? If you don't have money, you do worry. Face it. If you don't have money, you do worry. Oh. Face it. Okay. We <coughs> yeah, sure. Lovely airmen in the mm -hmm. Air Force, and sometimes we had to use credit card to buy gasoline yeah. or car parts to fix it. <coughs> or yeah. excited to learn that they had milk at the gas station where they took the credit card where exactly. you could buy gas and milk. So, yeah. no matter how thankful we are, I think, if you don't have money, it is a constant. Do people, I, I, think, I think that's, I think we've all felt that. If, if you do have a lot of money, do people who have a lot of money not worry? <coughs> well, I, think it, I think they would worry 
if what had been if they'd been brought up in a home or without a home, or the influence, major influence was in it that there is never enough, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you worry. So maybe they worry about different things. Right. Yeah. All right. So what's this connection? So how does how does money affect worry? If both people without it and people with it still experience it, is there a connection? Yes. I, I think the difference when you don't have enough money, then you're concerned about how to manage your life. I, I can't feed my children. That, that's got to be the biggest worry in the world. Okay? I think for the rich people, it was summed up well by J. Paul Getty when he was asked, you're the richest man in the world. How much money is enough? And he said, one more dollar than I have now. So his worry was not what money brought, but money itself. Mm -hmm. Well said. What else? Other thoughts? Richard? I think about the Maslow model. Say it again, please. The Maslow model. Oh, okay. The model of uh, the, first, the first level is, is physical, um, physiological needs like uh, security, money, not money, but food, shelter, just applying basic physical mm -hmm. needs. Kind of staples. What was your mom's treasure? Her children, of course, and uh, cooking. And just, and anybody around our 
house uh, around lunchtime or dinner time, they stayed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so. Two weeks ago, I lost my closest relative. He was almost 90. Yeah. He lives in Texas and grew up so poor. I, she, she moved from the country to Houston and lived with us because there was no place else for her to live. And this was back in the early, late 40s, early 50s, no, never had three pennies. And one of the last two times I talked to her, it's, oh my goodness, how am I gonna pay for this? How am I gonna? And she had a Cadillac sitting out in the driveway. And she had two houses, I mean, you know, she had reached the stage where she should have had peace. I had an uncle like that too, but it's a different story. <laughs> I wonder if your Uncle Siebert would have resonated with verse 33 of Matthew 6. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Um, thank you for sharing that story. I think part of that connection comes from the fact is that as hard as we try, and of course we're raised in a culture that is a constant comparison, right? Yeah. So what we do is we compare, you know, to this neighborhood, or we compare to this, or we compare to that. That one more dollar that, right, that exactly. J. Paul no, Getty. Yeah. Now, obviously, we don't go and compare to Bangladesh. We don't compare to East Africa. We don't compare to stuff because then that puts us on top, and so that makes us. So what we do is we always look to see somewhere. So we have that constant comparison, and then that helps us justify working harder, doing mm -hmm. this, or whatever that point. And I think part of the thing is is that it's it's modeled in movies, it's modeled in books, it's 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 everywhere. And I, I I think that worry is going to be as long as we allow the culture to determine what we compare ourselves to. It we can, the other thing is because so often we don't compare lost to save and what a blessing that is. And so yeah. it's the last. I I just think that. That idea of living in a constant world of comparison 
to somebody, either staying ahead or trying to catch up, is we're going to worry constantly. You know, I, I think uh, I, I heard worry once described as a misuse of imagination. I think that's a pretty good working definition. And I, I think Jesus... He, under, he, he created us. He was there when we were spoken into existence, and um, he knows us. And I think that's why he encourages us to be careful about how we use our imagination looking forward. And in other places in Scripture, we're, we're told to be careful about spending too much time in the past. But isn't it interesting that as humans, and as we tr struggle to be generous, our, our struggles are because we're looking forward or we're looking backward and, and if you go back, we, we read from verse 19, if you back up just a few verses, Jesus gives us an example of how we pray, and we, we do this um, together often in our worship service, but in, in verse 11, he says, give us today our daily bread, and contrast that, look at how different that is than verse 34, it, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the other side of the same admonition, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry all about itself each day has enough trouble of its own if if there's if there's anything i can leave you with today and i think you all have said it much better than i could ever say it but i think being generous helps us to be present uh, and i think that's what jesus is trying to teach us you know give us today our daily bread i'm going to take care of you today don't worry about don't don't misuse your imagination about tomorrow i need you present I need you present because I'm worried about your heart. Because for where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So um, why do we give? Why are we a part of a family? And why do we belong to a family that needs to be and, and is generous? I think it keeps our hearts healthy. Um, I mean, that's Matthew 6.21. Uh, so I encourage you to read that. Uh, thank you so much for the comments today. There was so much we didn't get to talk about. If, you, if you're interested in, in doing a little study on your own this week, look at 1 Corinthians 16, uh, first three verses. That's Paul giving some really practical instructions about what to do and how to take a collection. And it's intentional. We ought to be intentional about that. Go back and look at Acts 2 again and look at that community of believers. But um, I just want to say thank you for uh, being a part of a church family that I think knows how to be generous, so thank you. Next week we'll talk about growing and using our gifts, so we'll see you then.